Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs, and welcome to Warrior Death Show's second stream covering Jeweler Richard, episode 7, The Jade of Succession. And, you know, there's going to be a lot to talk about today, because I think that Richard is gradually turning into Batman, as I originally speculated. I mean, he's going through so many different <laughs> identities. I want to disagree so badly, but I just can't. <laughs> you can. The, the dude is like, you know coming through with so many different identities at this point. I I really want the rest of the show to play out where he just has a different name every time. And they're all, like, really, like, unique and culturally mm -hmm. or, like, country-specific, like, variations. Yep. I mean, we've got Lord Claremont now. Then we had, you know, Edward Baxter. We've had Richard Diranchi de Vilpian, and I'm sure I've butchered that. I apologize. Can we just have one next where his name is Bob? I was going to say something like Bob Miller. You know, very run-of-the- well, Mill. If you, yeah, uh, Mister Mister um, J Doe, is, and then of course Sega goes. Nah. It's the J for Jane. He's like, how do you know that, Sega? You genius. <laughs> and what's it like? I don't really know. Like a good. So so we've got the European flavor already, uh, and we've just we've covered the the American, but like I what's. I don't know. Could he get like a Latin American name? I don't really know if that would fly. No, nah, give, give, give a proper Japanese name like Akira Gaijin. Yeah, there you Yeah, oh, God, God. <laughs> Why? No. Um, <laughs> no. Don't do that. Uh, but it's true. He is a Gaijin. Well, he is, but you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't just call him the Joe Foreigner, you know? <laughs> That's how I'm going to introduce myself when I go to Japan. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that lovely and wonderful voice that you're hearing, of course, is the Soul Doctor. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy it's Friday. I hope you're having a good Friday and you're ready for the tale of the the pepper hand that we're about <laughs> to talk about. I was thinking the same thing. The like, ghost pepper hand. In, in a different <laughs> show, if this was more goofy, there would be a character trying to chew on that. Like, wait, where's the jade got? Oh, oh, for God's sake. Will you stop licking that? What if it just started to crawl? Uh, that, uh, you know what? I also thought to myself that the jade in this episode did indeed look like a cursed artifact. Like, it, oh my God. It it looks like something that you're after in Splunky. Yeah. No, no. Actually, it's Lex Luthor's pimp hand for whenever he wants to fight Superman. <laughs> oh my God. You know I'm right. <laughs> Mm. Uh, but anyway, yes, we're here today with Second Stream, which is our you know premium podcast that covers a second series, along with the mainline one that we do for Stream of Thought, which is currently Asicom. And what's different about this format, you might wonder if you're coming to us for the first time. Well, the main difference is we eschew all of the plot summary. We will provide plot details if they're relevant contextually to the points that we bring up, but we otherwise go straight for the prime rib, you know, of the actual discussion. We don't waste time going through, you know, the whole plot. So just as a warning ahead of time, if you've not actually watched episode 7 of Jeweler Richard yet, I would advise you do so before going through this with us, just so that way you're not spoiled on anything, and also because then you'll have the full context of what we'll be discussing. Alright, without further ado, we're firstly going to actually pass over to our wonderful patrons who've thrown in some questions for us. If you yourself are interested in becoming a patron for Warrior Death Show and would like to, you know, get along with the discussion as it goes on week and week, uh, ask us questions about Jeweler Richard or Azekin as we cover them, and a whole host of other benefits, like, you know, the, the list is pretty long, I'm just saying, then, you know, navigate yourself over on the interwebs to patreon.com forward slash Warrior Death Show and check out what we've got. Two, three, five dollar tiers, 
plenty, plenty of perks for you to look out for there. Do it. Do it now. Uh, Do it now. Are we putting enough wine in the, you know, Arnold impression swear jar because of that, Doc? We should do. Man, I'd have no money. I'd be broke. Ugh. But yeah, that's also why you should sure subscribe like to our Patreon, good... because that way it means I can keep up with putting money in the swear jar. I'm sure there was a good Arnold rejoinder to what you said about being broke, but I can't really... I'm, I'm not as well-versed in the catalog of his films as I really should be, given that I'm a child of the mid-80s. And I thought you were going to say a 30 plus years age. <laughs> well, that's true. That, that also. Uh, but it's basically the same thing, you know? Like, I mean, I think it's mainly because, like, when all of his biggest hits were coming out, I was not allowed to watch those kind of movies, like mm. PG-13 and R. So, like, Terminator rolls through, you know, True Lies, um, Total Recall had come out, like, by had been a thing since like I was really cognizant about films and it was just like no young doctor you may not partake in these movies hmm. and so he kind of passed me by and then by the time you know he's old enough to engage with culture was not really worried about about Mr. Arnold hmm. all right then um so we're gonna move away from the brawny man uh, we're gonna okay. go straight to the patron questions here so we actually have two from Ayla uh, that came out of order but I'm gonna actually just lump them together as they're similar questions I think we might be able to answer simultaneously here uh, the first one of which goes do you think Seiki should keep pursuing his relationship with Tanimoto and then the second one is do you think it's significant that Seiki couldn't tell Tanimoto that he liked her but he did so without hesitation or thought to Richard now, <laughs> this is where I get to cackle a bit. <laughs> this is where I get to cackle a little bit because this is where I get to engage in one of my favorite four exercises in doing this podcast, which is what I like to call, you know, of two minds. I'm going to answer Ayla's first question, which is, do you think Seiji should keep pursuing his relationship with Sanimoso? As a person, as a regular human being, <laughs> yeah, you see where I'm going with this. The answer is, to me, at this point, based on what we have seen and been presented in the show, no. I think that it's fairly obvious that while Tanimoto is lovely, uh, she's great, there's not a bad bone in the body, and clearly Seigi enjoys her company. He is actually developing as a character, period, through spending time with Richard. He's not developing or becoming a better, more nuanced, you know, and mature person by spending time with her. And that, by the way, I should stress, is not her fault. That's just simply how things happen sometimes in relationships between people, even platonic ones, you know, of whatever gender. So... In terms of pursuing his relationship, which, by which we mean, you know, to turn it into something romantic, nah. Ain't, I don't think so, so. So you're saying that Richard is Seiki's bonfire. He can only level up by going back to the bonfire and, and <laughs> do, leveling do, up do, there. Do, do, do you know what, right, when you say that, I just think back to that scene where he tried to hand that box of tissues to the lady who had been, you know... Uh-huh. And is that the moment <laughs> the where greatest he, scene ever. And is that the point where he goes, you have died? And he gets put back to the bonfire. Yeah. He's like just trying to like, yes, he's like parrying like a skeleton in the game world. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he's like must retreat to the bonfire. Mm-hmm. Yes, he kept dying over and over and the tissue challenge kept respawning. Whoops. And, you know. So, the, the hardest uh, boss of all. Indeed. Indeed. As an audience member, I want him to keep his relationship with Tanimoto because I want her to stay in the show. 
but, but in terms of if, it going to romantic levels, though, do you want him to see it, try and pursue it further to, to you know, get it to that level? So, I mean, anything could happen and change this, but, um, you know, based on what's been built so far, like, he clearly has... I don't know, it seems like he really has something with Richard, and doesn't have that much of a like romantic thing with Tanimoto but he but they're friends so she shouldn't disappear from his life no not at all I, I think I think that Ayla's question is framed more in terms of the romantic element mm-hmm. um that's the way I see it because I am in the green Tanimoto honey you've been friend zoned oh I'm sorry it's a painful place to be god uh, I look I can sympathize Someone else, I promise. Someone will wife this lady. It will happen. <laughs> will wife this lady. She must be wiped. <laughs> so, it has to I'm happen. Sorry, there's there's something about that phrase that just tickles me. She must be wifed. <laughs> wife city, Tani Mo. Wifed up the map. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> oh my god. But I did mention that I am of two minds of this. So this is the point where I, you know, truly reveal one evil little shit I am by saying, if I were writing this, then I would say he should. Because then there's potential for genuinely good drama. Now, granted, you know, to Uh. what... Yes. Because, you know, how deep will he take it with her? Like, how far will he pursue that relationship? Only to then realize in the end that maybe it wasn't suitable for him. Maybe he is, you know, truly into Richard and not her. Uh, By the way, just so I'm clear on this, when I say into Richard and not her, I'm not precluding the possibility that, say, he could be bisexual. I mean, just because you are, for example, attracted to a specific gender doesn't mean you're attracted to everyone of that gender. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is news to me. Are you sure? I'm fairly certain. It's taken many, many years of research in my secret laboratory to actually prove I, this. I mean, again, look, I I lived through the 90s, okay? I I am aware of, of how our fair gay brothers were, you know, depicted, and lesbian sisters were depicted in media. Aren't they just attracted to everyone that is their gender? Isn't that how it's supposed to go? I'm pretty sure that that's how we've been told it goes. I think that you're just wrong. I think media may potentially have told us a couple of porkies over the years, Doc. Ah, no! Crazy, how? crazy, I know. I feel so cheated. Crazy, I know. <laughs> I feel lied to. Um, By the way, the whole idea of if Sagi's by or not, uh, put a pin in that for later, because we'll be discussing that. Um, I also should note, by the way, that Tanimo isn't even in this episode. So clearly in terms <sighs> of if you wanted to go by the pie chart of who he spends the most time with on screen... There's a pretty clear winner. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, and I wasn't, it's funny, off cast, you told me that. And I was like, what? I hadn't even realized it. So I guess maybe subconsciously in my mind, she's not as Im- not, not important too much to like the ongoing like uh, plot of the show. Well, and that's, that's a shame. That's the question, though. Is that the intent of the author? Or, well, when I say the author, the creators of the show specifically, because again, we must stress that Julia Richard originates from a novel. Yeah. And there is a distinct yeah, you know? there's a distinct difference. And indeed, what feels like a compression of, of the various stories. Like, I have no first-hand experience with the novel whatsoever. 
So I can't really speak for that, but I do get this profound sense of watching this show that it is like watching a very abridged version of the actual story. And that's fine. It's still great. Don't get me wrong. I still enjoy the show a lot, but I do feel we are being shortchanged in certain respects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, time spent time spent matters. And I would really like to know from uh, OKK uh, or, or others, you know, are we getting? Are we not getting? Are we getting the proper hit of Tanimoso? Are we getting our? Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. exactly. Are we, are are we, getting, are we, are we like missing measure? out on more of her scenes Quite. for whatever reason? Quite possibly. Because because if the, it like you said like it would um, you know not that I'm like the the dungeon master here like wanting to create conflict for the sake of it although that's my job for the sake of it is really fun in in drama but like. We could be missing out on some genuine drama if there were if we really felt like there was a a real possibility that they they being Segi and Tanimoto like could end up together and and had some uh you know some feelings some chemistry some tension quite of possible. the romantic variety and indeed you know these things don't happen in a vacuum maybe Tanimoto could say you spend so much time with mr you know richard like are you truly interested in me like i i'm not saying that this is necessarily what's going to happen but i'm saying there's a lot of possibility here and do you think when uh segi falls asleep he's like in a in a nightmare with a bunch of sheep well and he's ch- chased up a block wall by <laughs> a vagina monster with richard's face <laughs> oh my god you, you are blending shit together now um it's but just happening it, it, it is just happening but i mean here's a scene i can imagine like no actually no forget that i'm not gonna bother that but um i think that like i say two minds i can i don't want him to pursue any further in terms of romance because i want to get no sorry that's a joke <laughs> but um mm. but because rather um i think that we as an audience we want to see the best outcome and the evidence that we present so far suggests to me at least that for in terms of like making him a better person and like challenging him and forcing him to change for the better it's richard who's doing that and again that's not saying that tanimoto is doing the opposite but rather it's just not something that's happening and that's true of a lot of relationships not everyone necessarily challenges you to up your game so to speak um to answer Ayla's second question, which just to reiterate was, do you think it's significant that say he couldn't tell Tanya most he likes, but did so without thoughts of Richard? It, yes. This, yeah, I would say so. But what I find interesting is that you and I, Doc, we had previously discussed the idea of Tanimoto being the obvious answer, quote-unquote. You know. The coward's way out, honestly. And that's in line with the show having presented expectations of heterosexual romance versus, you know... I mean, go back to Mami in episode two. That's the, uh, you know, the yardstick that it's set out already for how, it, at least its understanding of the world, treats uh, L2 plus people versus het people. So, what I find interesting is, if you think of it like this, though, I would argue, again, and speaking as a cis man here, so... Probably talking out my ass. More than likely, actually, you know. The odds are pretty high on this one. You, you've said this phrase so often that I feel like it's your superhero at name. You were Cishet Man. No one's Cishet Man. With the way, like, you know, the internet's going at the moment, I think people would hear that and think, oh, Jesus, fuck. I know. <laughs> that would be very bad. 
that's not a brand choice I would make for you. Yeah. Or I, anyone I, I liked. Yeah. I don't want to be known as Mr. Red Pilled if I can all help him. <laughs> right. No, that would that would be bad. I I only bring that up, by the way, folks, repeatedly because there could very well be a chance that someone listens to this and hasn't heard it before. And secondly, yeah, because totally. it's worth reminding myself more than anyone else that I'm no one special and I'm talking outside of a area in which I personally have any expertise or knowledge in beyond what I suppose you could call as strictly academic. Which is still worthwhile in its own right, don't get me wrong. But let's not pretend I can comment on this with any level of authority equivalent to someone who actually is LGBT+. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. worth, just worth you know, pulse setting, you know, as we say. Just putting it out there. But yeah. I think what's interesting is if you think of it that way, though, like that it's much easier for a cis-het romance to go about in our modern society than the LGBTQ plus one. And granted, it's getting easier, which is good. But what I then find fascinating is that it is the reverse in this case with Segi and that he is very eager to tell Richard his feelings, but can't with Tanimoso, even though the societal guidelines suggest that it should be the other way around. Yep. Which I find really neat. Yep. Well, okay, so my answer to this is... Um, that I wonder what Segi's ski toward Richard, like, meant. You know what I mean? Like... Ah, the ski-free monster. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like, what, um, there's a lot of ways that we can... And I don't want this to turn into a... What, what was it from Evangelion? Like, you're worthy of my my adoration or whatever you're oh, worthy man. of my praise what was the fucking line oh, i'm sad i, I, can't I remember. don't remember you're worthy of my grace that's what i was <laughs> you're worthy of my grace holy shit uh, i'm gonna start what using that fucking... to, i'm gonna start using that to reply to people on dc websites that i might be into <laughs> oh please i beg i beg you to do that that would be incredible i think it's now time we claimed that ironically for comedic use. I think I, it's I mean, been long it, enough. It's like one of those memes, you know, like where you have a statement that's like boring, plain, predictable, and then you are worthy of my grace. Regal, you know, refined. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's exactly that. <laughs> yes, a scholar, a gentleman. Yeah, uh-huh. So anyway, not to like, you know, because obviously I mean, I didn't translate the show. There's a lot of nuances there. But, like, I, I wonder, like, what... I mean, he was blushing, so he was clearly being somewhat vulnerable with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if he was, like... It, it's hard to say, right, if he's saying, like, I am attracted to you. Or, like, you know, just the plain old, like, I like you. I enjoy you. You are a... I enjoy you. You make it sound person. like you sort of smoke him like a cigarette. Uh-huh. Yeah, you were a person that I delight having in my life. Um and and you know, like you were saying, I think like the the larger part of what's going on here, in my opinion, is a um is a societal expectations thing. Like you know, saying that to Tanimoto there would be conclusions drawn about it Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of expectations that he doesn't really seem ready to uh, take on. Uh, But because it's like cool for two dudes to like be together a lot and also be friends without like any, and, and like each other quote unquote, without like, 
you know, a lot of commitment, expectations, judgment. Well, um, what happens in this episode when Seiki says that out loud, everyone turns and looks. Yeah. Granted, maybe that could be more because he was just very loud and I was like, what the fuck? Isn't he just yelling at that point about like, I don't like it when people force other people to kiss them. And people are just like, what is this boy screaming about? <laughs> there's there's a couple times this episode where he's just yelling for no reason. <laughs> just like, Seiki, you baby. Use your, use your inside voice, lad. <laughs> I know, exactly. He's, he's such a such a babe in the woods, uh, this lad. But, um, but oh, so yeah, so I I do think it is significant that he could not tell her he liked her, even if he sort of feels like he might. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can bring himself to say it because it's scary. Because it's like it sets into motion this whole you know series of events based on like um what what the society he's in expects for a young couple being together. You know, and and the boy likes the girl, and the girl likes the boy, and uh, a lot of judgment, a lot of assumptions by people around them, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Versus just like being able to do it with Richard again, I think he feels freer to do so. Yeah. Um, um, this will be relevant actually to our next patron question, which comes from Kate Rose, and it goes something like this. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Before you read that, can I just add really quickly on the yes. end of my that I still don't, I don't. I don't know what Seggy's feelings are. I think it, how I feel about like how free he feels to to say whether he likes these people or not, or that he likes these people. Um, that doesn't mean that I think he doesn't like Tanimoto or that he does, or that he is romantically attracted. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, that's like a separate question from this other thing. Mm-hmm. But I guess I would have to say, like, based on the evidence given, that's uh, such a thing we like to say, um, based on what we've had put in front of us, you know, it, fe- it feels like he does um, fancy Richard, but he doesn't himself realize it. Yep. And it feels like that he has some maybe burgeoning feelings for Tanimoto, but like, is too scared to um really pursue that for whatever reason Mm -hmm. so that's how i feel where he's kind of at right now but yes next question well actually you've just made me think of some other points i I think are worth mentioning here um one thing that julia richard has also been very consistent on is it's basically like blasting of wealth for its own sake and you know the value we put on objects and experiences in terms of fiscal you know as in money so here's the thing right there's a direct comparison to be made between Tanimoto and Richard in terms of you know potential romantic interest for Seigi for one reason because they both have an enthusiasm for gems now I grant you that Richard's expertise is vastly greater than hers but that to me feels immaterial what I find fascinating, though, is that Tanimoto's enthusiasm for gems and gemstones, that's a hobby for her. Now, that's not to me to be disparaging about it being a hobby, far from it. But then consider it in comparison to Richard's enthusiasm gems, which is deeply entwined with his own identity 
um, and in turn is something right. that he feels is important in actually understanding people who you know come to possess him. Indeed, that's what this episode is about. It is about the you know dichotomy between the value of an item in terms of how much it costs to purchase versus the value of an item in terms of the memories that come associated with it. I mean, it's no coincidence that the gentleman whom Richard buys the jade for is a grandson of you know and the grandfather in question you know spent a lot of time with him as a kid and mm-hmm. do you want to know why that's it's no coincidence because what was the very first episode about Sagi's relationship to his grandmother mm-hmm. by the way nice thing that they didn't state that outright or belabor the facts i thought that was pretty neat but the connection is definitely there so jeweler jeweler richard pro the grands <laughs> well we're actually two for two on that now bear in mind mm-hmm. azekin Oh yeah, no, for sure. You're you're totally right. Yeah, this, the seventh episodes of things is the grandparents episode. Grandparents rock. Parents are shit. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel like um that the theme that you're articulating that this episode was about like? Did you sort of feel like well we've already been over this ground in some ways? Yes, but I was okay with it because it actually now starts becoming more relevant to Richard as a person. But we'll that's get fair. In, we'll get into that. Yeah, that's fair. I had I'm glad that you supplied that though, because I had a hard time like kind of getting above the forest to mm. get the big picture view this episode. I kind of I don't know what was wrong with my focus. Well, I do know what was wrong with my focus, and it's to do with medication. But I was struggling to again see the bigger picture of like just what do I think this episode is really trying to say? Like, but I focused on a lot of the smaller moments um, and was entertained by the episode as a whole. But mm. uh, please continue. I interrupted you. No, that's fine. Um, so there is that. And I, there was something else I was going to say, but it slipped my mind. I'm sure it'll come back to me I'm later. sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. It, it happens. It happens. This is what I get for having like, you know, a brain that looks like Swiss cheese just left out in the sun too long. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll get back to Kate's question now, which goes something like yep. this. Um, Sagi is known for speaking without thought to the underlying meaning of his words. Referencing the exchange while they were seated at the preview, do you think Sagi realized the weight or meaning of what he said to Richard? And then at the end, did he realize the meaning behind Richard's passing words? So is this referring to I like you again? Or referring to like when Sagi was like, you don't have to keep talking about yourself. Yes. You, yeah, you, all that. There's something that I find really fascinating about this moment because Again, credits this show for having this be a thing, but not belaboring the point or making it too obvious. Segi's flaw, or one of his flaws rather, whenever we've seen him dealing with customers at Latranja, is that he will ask them probing questions without consideration that he should be asking them. Or making statements, you know, that yep. are well-intentioned, certainly, but they're not appropriate. I know, so, very prying. I felt really proud of him, honestly. It's like, yeah. that a boy? There you go. That was an exceptionally mature moment for him. And I think that, if I may say so, episode one, Sagi, where he, in, let's say that he had the accumulated memories of what happened at this point, just not the, the character growth that he's had, he would probably have continued pestering Richard about various things. I reckon he would have probed further, even though it's not appropriate for him to do so. But something that I also should note is really interesting about this. We've learned now that Richard is well, in more ways than one, a fictitious character. Uh, and yeah, you might say, oh, it's a piece of fiction. No. no, I mean to say is in the, the character that we see here, the person we see, right. is, yes. a, is a 
fictitious person. Like he is a a gestalt, you know, entity of the various um, identities that he's had over the years. He's a construct. Yes. There is no jeweler, Richard. Yep. You know, he's the uh, what's the name? Of, he's the ship of Theseus, you know. Oh, <laughs> he is. Yes, built with very the, a little bit of the Lord Claremont boards, a little bit of the Edward Baxter Sensei boards. Mm-hmm. So, the thing that I find fascinating about this is that Seiki is presented with the facts that Richard is not all that he appears from Richard's own mouth, no less, and he is content with what he has been presented, the fiction that he has been presented by Richard. He knows him in the here and now. His past is not necessarily so relevant to him, which is neat in its own right. Um, But I think that that's also then very telling that with the ending um, and Rich's point that don't blame me if you get hurt from being close to me. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. you've you've made your point that you want to try even though I've warned you and now it's on you to own that. Um, What I think is interesting... Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied here. Um... God, that's completely left my brain. I'm so... Oh, God. He's a poison, boy. Mm-hmm. You're staying with a man even though uh, you don't no. even understand he's a poison. No, I'm sorry. I remember now. Like, is that... I think there's an inevitability, I would say, that when you're close to someone, if they do have layers, like, of who they pretend to be, and I'm not meaning in a malicious sense, like, you know, they're trying to catfish you or anything, but more that, you know, <laughs> what you think someone is like versus what they really are over time. Like, I think there's a lesson to be learned in here, kind of like the Aesop's of... of the other element, sorry, the other episodes in the show, that over time you will gradually get to know the truth of a person, even if they want to try and keep that hidden, um, for what could be any number of reasons. So Seiji has always been very interested, I think, in the truth. Indeed, I think that's one of the contrasts between him and Richard, in that Richard is a person who deals in lies and deception for good reasons, mind you, uh, like we discussed in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Whereas Seiji mm-hmm. is honest to a fault. And that is displayed through all of his behavior that we've seen in the show thus far. Asking probing questions, trying to get the truth out of people when it's not appropriate to do so. Can I just say, like, this is an interesting um, difference between Richard and Sherlock. Because Sherlock is very, like, you know, the truth. I must find it. It is is all I'm concerned with. Richard is a lot more concerned with people's happiness and, like finding a way to finding meaning i think he would value a narrative and meaning and happiness over like truth mm-hmm. just like weighing them one to one if it was an either or situation mm-hmm. and that's a that is a difference that i think is important and key and i've just realized it honestly because We've been comparing Richard to Sherlock a lot because he's set up as the mystery-solving figure, and he's very cool and distant and what have you, but um, quite different, uh, and also way better. Oh, infinitely better. Superior. Um, So yeah, I think that he does... um, I think that it's going to be a question like, you know, again, how much of the truth do you want? Seiki's like learned in his own little way from dealing with various people that trying to get truth out of people is not necessarily for the best in terms of what it might be for them. It can be painful to, you know, ask probing questions like, you know, hey, you'll get over it or something like, something like that, you know. But now the problem is, is that it's not going to be something that'll hurt Richard, it'll hurt him. Indeed, we've had an episode about that where he learned the truth of someone. You remember his senpai? How, How many of these episodes <laughs> are leading to this 
The answer's all of them. <laughs> we've got we've got like little moments that have taught him about this. And now it's gonna be up to him to decide if he wants to use those experiences to pursue things further with Richard or not. Indeed, you know what I find fascinating, by the way? Uh what's that? At the very end, like when say he's looking at Richard walking off, like the final shot we get of him is a load of sunlight coming in from the right hand side of the frame. Mm-hmm. That I think is possibly the first time he's maybe like seen like you know Richard as he might actually be re- represented by that as he walks away. You could also make the comparison that he sees him again as another gem and is like, oh, so stunning. But I think that you know the, <laughs> I think the deeper meaning to that is more that he's trying to see like you know, a bit of light cover- uncovering the darkness, so to speak. You know. Hmm. Hmm. Well, a little bit. I mean. Oh, there's plenty think, of layers left. I mean, it's clear Richard's holding back this episode, right? Did you feel that as well? Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah, about himself and also about some, is it uh, Bertruccio? Bertruccio? Bertucci. I don't, Bertucci? Okay. This dumb, dumb guy. Bert. <laughs> La- the laughing man. Bert. I like Bert, yeah. Um, yeah, Richard just says like, Oh, he's just a guy who like is mad because I, I outsold him, and he said I took his customers. There's probably like an incident there where, if viewed from a certain perspective, Richard probably comes off looking like a an asshole. Mm-hmm. I'm willing well, to bet. Did you did you spot by the way the line in which uh, Batucci mentioned? Oh, didn't you have a previous partner? You know who's since left you mm-hmm. or something like that? And then Richard goes, "You don't know me." Yeah, like, you there's, there's history here, and the funny thing is, like, you know, is that history going to repeat itself with Seigi just fulfilling the place of this partner? Is there even any truth to that, necessarily, though? Because bear in mind, he was saying that in Seigi's presence. Maybe that guy has more of a handle on their relationship than even they do, and is trying to just poison the well, perhaps. Who can say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like, how much is this guy just being a jerk? And oh, how he's much a of... massive dick. He is, yes, but like, and how I don't mu- mean, you know, I don't mean that in the complimentary way. Can we believe way? him? And how how much should we believe him? Yeah, uh-huh. um, and is the partner like this the same person as the mentor Richard mentioned at the beginning? Is it business or pleasure? <laughs> hey, it's a fair comment. Yes. <laughs> it's a fair comment. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, I love Seggy at the beginning in that part when Richard's like, "I have a mentor," and Seggy's just like, "A she show? You Richard though has a she show?" <laughs> Unbelievable! I, I, it's just like well, it's not that weird, buddy. <laughs> well, there's again, there's an, even bits of that that gels with the idea of Richard being a fictitious character because, with how magnificent he's been presented thus far, you might, in theory, buy into the idea that he's always right. been that way. But he had to have learned that from somewhere. He's and, just a savant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So even that builds on that idea that Richard, you know, wasn't always the person he was in its own little way. So that's neat of itself, and it's funny, of course, because like. Wait, what? You actually They're... learned all this and were born with like an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of gems written into your DNA? Impossible! I, was... I don't believe this. Seggy, I was once Junior Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I just spat my drink out, you fucker. I was just about to take a sip of my beer and I had to stop myself. And even then, just a little bit of it just sprayed it. Oh, sake you bastard uh, i've done that to man, you at, le- at least once <laughs> yeah oh yeah uh, so you can add that one to your you know your tally <laughs> chart there you absolute prick <laughs> all right okay uh so yeah um i think that he did realize i think 
Segi's probably realized the meaning behind Richard's pine words that, you know, there's a lot yet to be unraveled with me. I don't mind necessarily sharing that with you if you're up for it, but yeah. you might not like what you'll find. And mm-hmm. as I say, Segi himself seems to be content with Richard is presented by stating, hey, you know what? I don't want to ask any more questions. I don't think you'd be respectful for me to do so. But Yeah, this is like the next... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was, I was, no, no, carry on. I think you're probably going to say what I was going to say, just in a different word. Uh, maybe. I was I was just going to say this is like the next um, challenge to getting to know Richard. Like, the, if, if you want to get to know him, you being Sagi, like the first thing you have to do is allow him to feel comfortable and not probe and let him reveal himself to you in his own time which and he's he's past that right he they spent time together they got to know each other he had a chance to probe and dig and he's like no you know when you're ready it's cool and richard's like well guess what i think i'm ready um so gave him a little bit and now the next hurdle is are you sure you want to know exactly and we we will see and indeed, it's part of any relationship, even just a friendship, I would argue, that you do learn more and more about the other person over time, just naturally. You know, they'll yeah. reveal something someday that you probably didn't know, and it doesn't even need to be something earth-shattering. Like, you, you know, it can just be, hey, I did this goofy thing when I was younger, it doesn't really matter, but it's funny, hey, you know? You don't start with a complete knowledge of someone, and you don't end with a complete knowledge of another person. When is Richard going to admit to Segi he likes anime? Is that I knew... I knew. <laughs> I knew Except for the second I, day. I knew <laughs> in my bones you were going to say. Sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry. <sighs> oh, Thank you, I'm, Kate. I'm sorry for everyone who's not on our. <laughs> anyone who's not a patron just that does not have the full context of this exchange. Basically, me, me and me and Doc are going to have a gunfight at dawn. We're not going to even. <laughs> I'm not going to explain why. Turn ten paces and shoot, motherfucker. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thank you very much for that, Kate, mm-hmm. and thank you very much, Ayla, for your questions. Both they were excellent and really insightful. So thank you for yeah. challenging us on that. And indeed, just open call again to our patrons. Don't hesitate to drop in questions as time goes on about anything you want to ask us. It can be goofy, it can be serious, it can be personal. Just fucking go for it. We're all we're all in on this. And indeed, if, as I say before, if you want to get in on that action, do check out patreon.com forward slash show. Sign yourself up to the $3 tier or higher. You'll get Discord access that's where you can drop the hot beat questions that you want to, you know, give us, and we will answer them on the cast for you. Hot beat. Yes. Okay, talking points then. Let's talk about some other stuff that's in this episode. Uh, Doc, do you want to lead off, or do you want me to go right in on it? Well, I mean, what better place to begin, in my mind, Oh-ho. than, like, there's royal milk tea candy. Who knew that they would make a flavor of, I mean, butterscotch, I feel like is the closest analog and butterscotch is wonderful. I need this Royal Milk Tea candy in my life. So please, if, you know, if, if anyone knows of a sort of Werther's original equivalent, that is the Royal Milk Tea flavor, put like, please link me this. I really, really, really want to try this. It sounds delightful. I want to feel like Richard for just a moment. I am of the opinion... the closest I will get is, is that. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I am of the opinion that to, those candies are to Richard as spinach is to Popeye. Oh my God. It powers him up. Yes. You're right. <laughs> of course I'm right. 
You're uh, so right. Seiki knew, like he knew he was, you know, a little nervous, and so here's oh, here's a thing that you're into. So hey, good for him. All right. So my talking point. Let's talk about the auction. Um, there are okay. actually I actually have two talking points related to the auction. The first of which is shorter. I just want to credit this episode's direction because the cold open for this is great. It is like maybe seven seconds long at most. And it's just a perfect setup for like, what the fuck's happened here? Mm-hmm. Like, Seiji's like, you know, getting into the auction and he's like clearly very nervous. The 30 million threshold is established, which is then referenced again later with the baseline asking price. So you know when they are looking at the jade in the display and Richard says 30 million is the expected price. I'd say he's like bricking himself in the past. Like, oh, that's why. I see. And then you've got, the, of course, uh, Batucci or whatever his name was, you know, smirking at Bert. them. It's really, really short, but it's such a great cold open. I think it works really, really well for building this episode up. And the sound is like, the sound kind of fades in, right? Yeah. Like it's like sort of m- muted or muffled. And then you slowly hear like 30 million. Like what did, by the way, is the price in dollars or yen? And it's in yen. Okay, so Although the, like a $300 hand? <laughs> no, uh, it's, it's about 250000 if I recall correctly. Okay, okay, um, still because, very expensive. Because the, helpfully for, you know, us, uh, you know, dirty, you know, Western individuals, the jade in the display has a sign underneath it that shows the price in yen of $30 million, but also the equivalent in US dollars. Oh my god, I missed that, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, very good then. There you go. The, the um, exchange rate of... 2020 has been immortalized on film now. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of this show, in my opinion, has been about Richard teaching something to Seiji, or indeed Seiji just learning from his collective experiences while being with Richard. So, I'm going to pose you an open question here, Doc. Have a think on it. Okay. And indeed, to you at home as well, before I give my thoughts on it. Why does Richard give the, you know, auction paddle to Seiji at all? I mean, he has a stated reason, which is, you're my bag boy. But <laughs> which was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> you're my dog at every turn. Like. I mean, he basically that makes Seiji a donkey. And hey, you know what? That's no surprise <laughs> considering he makes an ass of himself a lot of the time. That's another great pun from me this week. I'm just too good at this. Uh, bag boy, Ka. Like you, you are my bag boy, aren't you? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, in- just amazing. Like that's what a smirk on his face for that, especially the second time he says that. Exactly. Oh man. But okay, so why does he give him the paddle? Well, when I say it like that, <laughs> I think we all know. <laughs> that's two now, you dick. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! I'm I think the author choking. wanted the author clearly wanted this moment to happen in many conversations. <sighs> Here, Seggy, the paddle is yours. You are uh-huh. my bag boy, after all. <laughs> like, um, no, the the paddle. Um, well, I mean, he wants him to like. Uh, he he wants to share something with him of his, you know, life and duties, and it's him kind of giving a little bit of something over to him. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, some something that's not like uh, I don't know outside of the bounds of him able being able to do it, but like clearly it is important. I mean, if someone has to raise the paddle, uh, 
but but yeah, I mean, it just feels like he's wanting to to trust him a little bit here. Indeed, and I think that's important. Richard speaks later on in this episode, and, I, and it's the scene that I put on Twitter as what I felt was the thesis statement of this show, basically, which is that if something can be acquired so easily with money, then it's cheap and worthless in reality. Mm. You know, if it's it can be so easily destroyed as a result. By which he's referring to the experiences um, of that person, you know, whose grandfather owned the jade originally. If they were taken away from him, then those experiences would be gone because they don't obviously transfer from one person to another necessarily. Although that being said, we did see an example of that in the very first episode where that kind of did with the ring mm-hmm. that Sagi's grandmother had. But anyway, here's the thing, right? What I think Richard is trying to do with this is to impart how money can have genuine weight and put real pressure on you, but not simply because of the numerical value, but because, as you say, of that level of trust. Hmm. I think that's yeah. the key idea here. Because it's a big deal for him to be, you know, spending this... Sagi probably has never had even anywhere close to that amount of money himself in his entire life. I'd yeah. argue that he probably never will in his entire life. In this economy? That... Fuck no. <laughs> exactly. But what Richard is telling him here is that the is the pressure of it is not because of the fact that it is such a large amount of money in itself. The fiscal value, again, as this show states many times, and it's a lesson I'm more than happy to keep hearing, is immaterial relative to the bigger point which is that it's the value of his trust and his faith in him so that's why i think that the auction is as important as it is to help him develop that so he starts to slump over yeah he starts to shake and indeed there's a nice little comedy shot at the end where he's still got the paddle held up high even after the auction is over he's like you can put it down now it's okay yes (laughs) everyone is sort of looking at him yeah. He's like, nope, I'm still I'm still holding on strong for you, Richard. My mm. my arm is raised. And uh Well Is that the only thing that's right? Re- nope, nope, not gonna nope, no. Can't yeah. nope, we're not that Everyone long. everyone everyone knows what you said. <laughs> everyone we deleted every, it. We every, deleted it. I'm not editing that shit out. <laughs> You're the one who said it. If I was saying it, I would gladly edit it out. But I'm afraid you're stuck now, mate. This is what you get for putting. Mm. This is ironically what you get for putting faith in me. <laughs> I, I hope like... I don't sort of cross the line from like being very comfortable with, you know, my sexuality and talk of sexuality in general to sort of seeming homophobic or something like that. Um, because I really I'm just being. Uh, my my intent rather is just to be. Uh, silly rather than dis- disparaging of the potential relationship here between these two and um, and clearly up to this point what it has been is platonic and it could still be meaningful and all that jazz but yeah we'll, be, hope... we'll be getting to that soon <laughs> enough as it turns out P- please patrons let me know if I am pushing it that button too much <laughs> i yeah. don't want it to become don't, unpleasant for you don't tell me shit because i already know i'm being an ass but anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's the point i was going to make about that particular scene not too much i think to belabor on it but I, I do feel it's important um and then again as it turns out that ties into the whole idea of the jade itself in that its value much like a lot of the other gems be it positive or negative is not in how much it costs to purchase but rather what it means for the individuals in question and again, yeah. like, you know, all that money that Richard is giving to say, like, as a, as a thing to control, have control over, it's not 
the weight of it in terms of how much he has to spend. Like, fuck me, that's a lot of money. No, rather, it's fuck me, that's a lot of at least Richard's money, if not other people's as well. Yeah, you're right. That's the distinction. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, do you have another talking point, Doc? Well, well, to paraphrase uh, Austin Walker, um, have you ever seen a man so beautiful that you just had to go to sleep? Because, <laughs> because when Richard uh... emerges from the limousine in the blue tuxedo, whew, whew, the best Richard yet, right? I mean, like, Richard is hot. I mean, I think that's pretty, pretty clear, but like... It is. It has been ratcheted up a level. He has, he, you know, what? Why I'm struggling for a metaphor here. Um, upgrade. He, he, he looks so sharp. You, he, he looks so sharp. You got cut. I know, like, unbelievable. The blue, the blue tux is uh, crazy, crazy good. He's just super hot, and like, also what's his face Bert I feel like totally misguided you know I know that there's personal beef between he and Richard but like if you're an outside observer if you're like walking up to them uh to walking into that lobby when they're having a fight and you hear one guy saying like oh yeah well you know what you're just so fucking handsome isn't that hilarious you're just too handsome you just out handsomed everybody and that's why that you made so much money you handsome fool. You'd be like, dude, you're not winning this argument. <laughs> you're just yeah. complimenting him a lot. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, just, like, I just said to him, look, right, if there's anything I've you should bid on, this is the fuck-off stone. Why do you go put a lot of money towards that? I mean, like, why are you berating him about being so hit? Like, it's not a thing that people do. <laughs> well, At least in our culture. <laughs> no. Maybe it's like a, you're, you're too, you're sort of freakishly good-looking. Like, you're... You're sort of outlier. Like you're not like the rest of us. You're the nail that's you know sticks out, gets hammered down, mm. and you're making everybody's nail stick out. Yeah. <laughs> Working. So um, I think I think the thing about that though, and Richard's appearance is that I think there's a distinction against me made between him caring about his appearance, but also wanting people to appraise it more in line with how he feels about his own appearance, which is, yeah, I want to, you know, have an air of respectability. I want to look fashionable, but I don't want people to go overboard on it. I think that like the gems he looks at, he wants people to have what is felt to be a kind of alignment, if you will, you know, that it's like to be reasonable, essentially. And I don't think that's unfair to say. I've met people in my time who have said like, hey, you know what? I've got I feel crude talking about this because merely it's not my body that I'm talking about here personally. But like they basically said, look, there are features of mine that people talk too uh-huh. much about. You probably know where I'm going with this. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That I'm not comfortable with that. Like I didn't ask for this, but that I have them. What do I do? Um, my response to <laughs> them. Yeah, right, my. But yeah. well, I'm paraphrasing, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, this uh-huh. was a conversation I actually had a New Year, funnily enough. Uh, to which my response was, well. It's up to you what you make of it. Vanity can be divorced from ego, um, for the most part, I would argue. There's certainly nothing wrong with having pride in your appearance. Um, but yeah, I think that's Richard's um, hang-up, if you will, that people can't like meet him on an even keel, so to speak, treat him like rationally, because they are just 
hypnotized in some sense by his beauty. And indeed, we've seen that with a lot of the uh, customers. And indeed, remember the two ladies in the uh, fake jewel parlor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I un- I think I understand that. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, for sure. Like, and I'm I'm taking a, a jab at the way that Bert expressed himself, but like, oh, you can take a jab the, at Bert any day. The core of that, like insult was basically saying you're not really good at your job mm. um you know people just shop at your store because they enjoy looking at you if if you didn't have your appearance like you would not you know it's and and that's something that i think a lot of uh women in particular in yep. positions of power you know in the boardroom as it were um you know hear that a lot i mean and frankly like it's like even in our you know, nerdy circles we run in. Like I um, remember that people that I consider friends, like used to say stuff like that about Jacob Chapman. You know mm. that that he slept his way to the top. You know, this is before he came out Ugh. as trans, and Jake was assigned female at birth, and so they were talking about you know. Uh, sort of Jake pre-transition, um, as and not, it's the same kind of things you would say about not, it's the same kind of things a lot of people say about women. Yeah, c- you know, cis women, for instance. You know, like uh, yeah. I mean, just to qualify on top of what you said, Doc. I know that you already think this, but I feel I should throw in my two cents. Doesn't matter whether one transitions or not. You don't say shit like that. I mean, how about we go? No, with for lo- sure. I'm just about, giving context. Yeah. Oh yeah, but how about we go with the logical assumption? Dare I say that people can sometimes be in the positions that they're in because fucking surprise of all surprises, folks, they're actually good at what they do. Crazy. The, the evidence is, in my opinion, right there on the page for, for Jake. Fucking like, think. <laughs> Jake is very, very good at what he does. I mm. that's uh, if you're going to make an argument that like the the work and the quality of it is not the reason for his success. You're just out to lunch. Um, but anyway, but so, yeah, so Bert here, like I can, I definitely can see how this argument can, you know, it, it feels like he's sort of punching below the belt a little bit here with Richard. Yeah. It really, well, you know, the, ir- you know what the irony is for all that Bert says, you know, that people, you know, get suckered in by Richard and, you know, don't take him, on face value ironically enough you know that they get suckered in and like scammed he in turn massively underestimates him in a very quantitative sense in this episode he does yes he does so uh you know maybe you know he didn't win the auction but he certainly had plenty of money left over to buy himself some humble pie swat hey oh oh ho 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 he did all right Final talking point from me. This is something that's been addressed in our Discord, and I feel that it would be disingenuous of us not to at least acknowledge it and then talk about it, even if we may not necessarily come to a conclusion now. There's no dodging this bullet, folks. Let's talk about queer basing. The QB. The QB. Now, I am going to actually set up my stall here by talking about a different show, firstly. A show that I do have some familiarity with, although not enough to make a conclusive sorry, a conclusion, if you will, about that show itself, even though I noticed it, like, as the, as the narrative around developed. And that show is, even though it's not gem-related, Ruby, as in Rooster Teeth show. The not anime, is it anime, blah, 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 blah thing. Uh, right. So... The, the PS2 engine. 
produced. <laughs> hey, th- th- I'm going to be talking about Ruby eventually on this podcast, believe me, and that's actually not one of the criticisms I have of it, but I'm saving that enjoy- for later. Yeah, I still enjoy the way it looks, and but I have not seen nearly as much of it at you, and so maybe... Maybe the way it looks evolves a little bit, but I just remember oh, it definitely, does. definitely thinking the first episode looks like a PS2 game. Hmm. So here's the thing, right? To give you some context, because even though, again, this is second stream, this is not even the show that we're really talking about. Um, there are two characters in Ruby uh, from the main team of four ladies, uh, one of which is Blake Belladonna and the other of which is Yang Xiaolong. And... I remember as I watched the first three seasons of Ruby, and then I stopped because, spoiler alert for I feel about Ruby, the third season was so shockingly bad I quit. I hated it with a fiery passion. But I grant you, I was working under a different critical lens than I do these days, so I might like it more if I go back and watch it, which I plan to. But anyway, there is a specific scene in season two in which Blake and Yang have a discussion, if you will, where Blake's in a bad place in her life, and Yang, you know, helps her out. And there's, like, some banter between them. Now, I, again, speaking as someone, you know, who is on the straight and narrow for all that, you know, that seems to be a bad thing these days. Uh, I didn't read that as anything other than two women talking to each other and helping them out in the bind in the same way that you and I have talked about our own respective problems and helped each other out of the bind. Um, and then again, maybe there are people out there who are shipping us both, Doc. Who the fuck knows? But anyway, point being, uh, people started shipping them. Mm-hmm. And... My understanding, and this is again something I must stress is strictly my understanding and not what I know firsthand because I did quit at season three, is that they are now an item. Even though there wasn't really any evidence or build up to that in the show proper until that point. And that has led to accusations of Ruby in doing queer basing because it seems like the show's narrative and the way these two characters changed over time was in response to that fan... Um, outlook if you will that fan shipping if you will is that queer baiting if they actually get together i think that that would be would well, that be, be like all well, forced be, forced diversity well i think that maybe it might be in terms of you know maybe the writers recognize what was happening in the fandom and decided to play into that yeah different kind of queer baiting perhaps i guess but, so so like just just for context i'll read the dumb wikipedia definition oh i love baiting. definitions um uh, I'm sure everyone knows, but you never know. So just to give our discussion parameters, queerbaiting is a marketing technique for fiction and entertainment in which creators hint at, but then not actually depict same-sex romance. The reason they do it is to attract, aka bait, a queer audience with a suggestion of relationships that appeal to them while at the same time being cowards, uh, that's my own uh, addition there, while at the same time attempting to avoid alienating other consumers. So the idea is, it's it would seem definitionally speaking, if the two characters get together, then they are depicting the romance on screen and therefore not actually queer baiting. They have, they have caught the queer fish. But is that in response to the fandom talking about him being engaged with the ship that was not canon at that point? Because there was certainly no evidence building up well, I think, to him. Right. I don't think that... Oh, I think it becomes a different problem. It's just not... It's not queerbaiting anymore. It's a different, uh, like, ah, oh, what have you done? Like, you know, too too much bowing to fan pressure or you've, you've, you've yeah, done the, forced diversity situation or whatever. You've done it for the cynical reason rather than because it's yeah. something you intended to tell as part of the story from the get-go. I, I mentioned his queer basing as that is why I've read elsewhere that it is explicitly described as in that show. 
that specific term. Um, but the reason I'm bringing this up relative to Jeweler Richard is because if indeed that is a definition of queer basing that, while it doesn't match the one you described on Wikipedia, is still valid, there is a distinction here in that I think that the evidence for Sagi being into Richard and perhaps even the little vice versa has been there pretty much throughout. Mm-hmm. But then that leads us into, of course, discussing the actual uh, you know, question itself in terms of, well, is that still queer basing because nothing's going to happen? Will they get together, right? Yeah. Will, will it... Uh... Will it be an actual thing? And how many times have you and I discussed the gay tragedy thing, like in various anime shows, where it's the queer characters who get killed off, and they're all, or otherwise not allowed to fulfill a relationship? I mean, Franks right. comes to mind. We had the nines, and then we the had nines. we had what was the lady, the one, the one queer cool character in girl, the main, yeah, yeah, who really liked um, uh, uh, the strawberry fifty Ichinose Ichigo. Ichigo, yes. Ichigo. He, Ichigo was the the short girl, but it was the the purple haired lady with glasses that was into her. Don't know. Uh, I can't remember her name. It's been too long. That's a good fading thing. From my memory, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, the less I remember about Franks, the better. You know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. um, like we remember that and how. Oh yeah, she's hooking up with. I remember the other girl's name was Naomi. Uh, you know. Even though Naomi had been like fridged for the entire show's run, and we knew next to fuck all about her, and all that you know, she get uh, whatever her name was gets to live out the rest of her days pissing in a bedpan. Thanks a bunch for that. Mm-hmm. Great, yeah, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. My honest answer as to whether or not Richard, the show that is, is queer basing. This, again, is something that perhaps I shouldn't even really be necessarily commenting on as a cis-set guy because, well, you know, you don't, ask, you don't ask someone, you know, who's got no sense of taste in terms of, like, you know, mm. tongue, gastronomy, to tell you, like, how creme brulee tastes or whatever, you know. You don't... Essentially, if you're... If I, you're blo- if I don't you're blo- think it's that kind of a question, though. It feels way more like a sort of fact-based question than, is this we, queer enough for you? Question, if we take, you know what if, I mean? Yeah, if we take it as a facts-based question, then I don't think we can actually answer it at this point. I think Not this yet, is because we, we don't... We'll need to revisit. We haven't read the book, yeah. so we don't know how it ends. Yeah. I suppose what I can relate, and I apologize to our patron who pointed this out, I'm not actually going to name them. No. Uh, I'm only going to mention what they've said in our Discord, because I think it's relevant. Um, they mentioned that they would be happy in the event that at the very least, Sagi is acknowledged as bisexual, even if he hooks up with no one. And I think that is in itself something that, you know, at the risk of sounding like a twat, I think that is still a good outcome. It is not the best outcome, mind you. But I think that, you know, if indeed the show is leaning into the stuff, like I say, with Tanimoto being the obvious answer, the B-tier ending, if you will, even though she's a great character, or as we said with, like, Mami, where, hey, Mami walks away without anyone you know, but that was still a good ending for her, a good, a good new path in her life because she recognised what she truly wanted. If Sagi did in turn walk away uh, from Richard for whatever reason, or they don't ever hook up, and in turn he doesn't hook up with Tanimo, but he recognises that he's learned about himself that he is bisexual, and by the way, when I say that, the show needs to be pretty explicit about that. Let's not piss around the bush here. Let's make that clear. Yeah, I don't. I could see still disliking that ending, depending on how they execute it. Yeah, that's it. We have to wait for the actual conclusion. So, I suppose I think that for me, queer basing, like I think that 
I can read it uh, in the way that the term the use suggested was, which is that it, and indeed as it is with Ruby, where even though it might not be queer basing, mind you, but rather where the intent of the authors, and this is something we have to again speculate on because authorial intent is never necessarily clear and even then can be discarded in favour of our own interpretation, but where the intent of doing it is for the cynical reasons for which we've noted, like if, you know, a narrative ends with a character who is LGBTQ+, not hooking up with the person that we otherwise would like to see, but it still results in them being a better place in their life because they become more comfortable with who they are. Is that a bad ending? It might be queer-basing by some people's definitions, but maybe that's still, you know, a good way to go. But I grant you also, this is something that I'm considering in terms of just a work on its own and not this the is wider... Where... Yes, this is where the disclaimer happens. Yeah, and not wider cultural context, which is we live in a time right now where there are still not enough L2 plus works out there that do portray, you know, the kind of happy ending that cishet couples enjoy so often in fiction. Like, the guy gets the girl at the end. How many times have you seen that happen in the film? More times than I've got fingers and toes, for sure, and hair on my head. And granted, that's not a lot, but you get my point. Uh, There isn't really that same thing. I mean, heck, even in like, you know, films we have, for example, how, oh, in Rise of Skywalker, there's this gay couple kissing in the background of one scene. And even before China, like, you know, had that scene taken out, like, that's still like, you know, you you do over there. You'd be over there where no one can really notice you. You know, it happens in the background. You like wallpaper. I'm like, can we not do better than that? So... (laughs) If I'm looking at it more in terms of wider social context, which I really should be, to be honest, rather than considering it in the vacuum, I suppose my answer turns more into, I do want Richard and Seigi to hook up, or Richard or Tanimo, sorry, Richard Tanimo, whoops, <laughs> that was a slip of the tongue. Welcome back. <laughs> I, I, meant, I, meant, I meant to say um, Tanimo, or Seigi, like, let, the let, tr- there be, let there be a moment where at least a pair of them is holding hands and walking off down the road into the sunset, that kind of thing, you know, Let's not be cowards about this, as they say, because this is the time in which we need works like that that are not afraid to step up and be, you know, honest and, you know, brave even about the relationships the characters have. They need to, you know, have a spine. (laughs) Yeah. If I... I've just come to realize in my head that the reason that Tanimoto and Richard probably can't get together is they'd be too powerful in the world of gems. Oh like, my every, God. They would take all the gems. They would have all the gems. They would form the infinity gauntlet. They would. And as such, they would become targets of criminals and they would probably die. So yeah. for the sake of both their lives, they have to, their love must go unrequited for one another. Ah, God damn it. I'm also Googling to make sure, um, because I have, um, I want to make sure, yep, definitely. Okay, so I've come to realize something. Tanimoto is just Mayuri from Steins Gate, grown up. This has been a second Just look at her, look at the pictures! (laughs) Look at the pictures! I've been, like, trying to think about it, and, like, who does she remind me? She is just... Mayuri Shina in college. Oh and my fucking god. With no hat. <laughs> well, in terms of look at least, like Mayuri and uh, mm, Tanimoto mm-hmm, could not mm-hmm. be more disparate in terms of personality. But oh mm-hmm. my god, I, I can't believe that. Now that's not going to get out of my head. If, if she ever says Tutoru at that point, I'm just going <laughs> to stop watching this show. Uh, my brain will melt. 
<laughs> it is melting. It's currently oh, melting. Fuck me. Uh, anyway, anyway. I'll just round out my thought on the whole queer base theme of this. We're going to come back to this. And what's more, sure. we're not going to... I can speak for myself and Doc on this one because I'm taking the reins on this one. I'm, you know, shoving him away from the steering wheel. <laughs> when we come back and cover this again, we will endeavour to try and get the voices in of people who are LGBT plus to offer the perspective that I think really should be listened to rather than necessarily our own. I can compliment that, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to put ourselves down too much here. Mm-hmm. But let's be honest, it's like when we covered Given and we had Anthony Gramulia on. Like, I remember that I was very happy with the scene in which, you know, when Ayama and Akiko, like, talk things out and they come, he comes to the realisation that he is gay. And I suggested that the kind of approach that Akiko took into drawing that out of him was great. But Anthony very wisely points out to me that that approach doesn't work with everyone. Right. Right. As, on, as honest and great as it is to see that scene happen in terms of fiction, it's not necessarily applicable to every single person. So I think we need a similar sort of nuance to, you know, how we conclude on Richard in the show there is in terms of if it is queer basing or not, by having the voices for which whom this is most relevant inform us on that. And in turn, would be listeners of this podcast, be you patrons or not, tell us. Tell us if you think it is. Tell us if you think it isn't. Tell us why you think that is be constructive about it label you know put your thoughts down your arguments down give us evidence give us reasoning talk from your own experiences if you want to just also be respectful about it while going about it of course because it's a very passionate topic for a lot of people yeah Uh, definitely a um a sensitive talking point yeah which is probably why i should be talking about it but anyway mm -hmm, yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah Yeah, i i yeah i can definitely see how the show would be on track to be a sort of prototypical example of queer baiting, depending on, again, how things shake out in the end. And then probably, like, where the whole subjectivity um, factor comes into play is, like, if, you know, the ending is, like, some sort of gesture at their relationship that is maybe a little ambiguous Mm -hmm. or, like more platonic uh than anything you know uh sort of showing just enough leg to get uh (laughs) people interested the queer people interested but but not enough to make it be like okay these characters really are like true blue uh queer characters and this is a queer love story for realsies and it is textual and that is how you read it so like um that that is where you know judgment calls will happen, and it's frustrating. Like it's there's not enough unambiguously uh, gay kind of love stories. I mean, it's I think people are right to point out in our anime decade in review cast that it is getting better. That is certainly true. Oh yeah, but um, boy, I I, I think I, more progress, please. Keep on marching. <laughs> yeah, let's not take even necessarily say two steps forward and one backward let's just two forward and then on and on and on and on and then i walk up and push you in the back and you stumble about 12 steps forward that could work as well as long as you don't face plant you know Mm -hmm. yeah i will make sure that doesn't happen good i'm 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 an arbiter of culture (laughs) (laughs) well uh I think otherwise that concludes our discussion of jewel richard episode oh no you've got one more oh man no, there's more, okay? Like, uh, an interesting statement, I think, 
worthy of reflection by Bert. He says when he's arguing why he will get the, you know, pepper hand of Jade, uh, <laughs> he's saying valuable objects end up in worthy hands. Oh, and I think I missed that. I must confess. This is like, I think one of those, one of those instances where, you know, out of the mouths of jerks, the, the truth comes. And the, wor- I, the worst person you know just says, mm-hmm. it's that meme again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be like Even if, I don't, if, uh, yeah. if Notch tweeted something really cool. Um, well, that's the- fucking hell. I thought <laughs> I was getting, I thought I was getting cold around here. Did he finally do it? Cold day in hell and all that? No. What a no, I'm uh, just trying to think of a, an analogous example, but but uh, but yeah, look, I mean, I think the show will come back to this, um, mm. uh, and I think, well, I think, I mean, I don't know, it is sort of a fatalistic kind of. Uh, that's not the right word. It is a because um, fatalistic sort of sounds um, defeatist, but he he is saying like. Um, it is a very destiny sort of take, right? That like uh worthy, you know, worthy things will will gravitate to other like worthy things to hold on to them. Like Sagi Sir Richard. Uh-huh. Right, exactly, exactly. So like yes. How will this apply in future episodes? Um, yeah. I'm curious. I mean hell, about I'll, that. I'll I'll go on Bear and say I wonder if Sagi's gravitated towards, let's say Edward Baxter, or Lord Claremont, mm. or Richard, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, my, my probably my favorite scene in the episode. It was definitely a like, you know, jump up off the couch and like, fuck yes moment. And this really subdued episode of Jeweler Richard was when, uh, Bert has bid over 30 million and he side eyes richard and he's thinking to himself <laughs> got you now this is all you can afford boy and he's making a really smug face and then cut to a shot of richard's lower half crosses legs nope. that's the power move that's fuck the power you move. bert fuck you i got mo dollars i got bills on top of them bills fool we just needed, like, you know, those air horns and, like, Richard just, like, wearing, like, cap and bling. And he's just going to start throwing money around. Making it raid! That's right. Whenever whenever he crosses, there needs to be, like, a super cut or some kind of edited version of the show where, like, when Richard crosses his legs, it's just, it's air horns. Then the, All the, you know, so the JoJo's, good. like, menacing, you know, <laughs> text appears. Yeah, that is, that that is his power move. I mean, that to me is not too dissimilar to from CSI when I don't remember even his name, Horatio. I think it is puts his fucking glasses on. Mm-hmm. It is that. It is definitely that. Yeah. Fucking the Who starts playing. Um. So, I can't remember the name of the the guy with the orange shirt from the old family. Um, I don't know either. He looks like one of the Dandy Warhols. Some <laughs> shit. He does. Um, do you re- like? Anyway, did, what 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 was your take on when like 
he said, I thank you, Richard, for helping me get my grandfather's jade pepper hand back into the family because if it had been sold, I would have cursed my, my aunt. And then Sagi's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hang on. You'd have cursed your aunt? You hate her that much? And without missing a beat, this dude just smiles and he's like, yep, for sure. Oh, <laughs> and then he goes and starts explaining, dude, are we sp- we're supposed to like you. <laughs> it's right? like I said, that is actually a cursed artifact. <laughs> he's just like, hi, I would have cursed her. Definitely. Exactly. exactly. Um, well, I actually have something else I'm going to say about this scene that I've just realized. I mean, it's probably quite obvious, but just to point out, the reason Richard is doing this is because his own family disintegrated due to the weight mm-hmm. of an inherited fortune. So, you know, maybe it's not so surprising that he would try and do this to someone else because maybe he feels a sense of failure about it. I mean, people can feel like, you know, that they are some way responsible for something that happens in their life where it goes wrong that ultimately isn't even remotely their fault or in any way to do with them. So maybe that's why he ultimately did this in the end. Because it's kind of a vicarious, you know, absolution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my question based on what you just said, though, is will we get to meet the extended Claremont family? Oh. Will they show up? Does Richard have a cute sister? Well, I think what (laughs) might be interesting about that is, again, to look at this from the writer's perspective, will we, this is like what I said with Azekin and also with Kanamori's family, Rather, how much do we want to learn of Richard's family? Do we only ever want to get the perspective as told from yeah. him? Do we only ever see, for example, them in portraits and photographs? What To what degree? I think that, to me, is going to be the most fascinating thing about it. Like, I, We are, in my opinion, definitely going to learn more about Richard's history and origin as Lord Claremont. Probably, I mean, he's called Lord Claremont now, maybe because his family is all gone. You know? He's now the Lord of the House, so to speak, whereas he mm-hmm. would probably have been... Richard Claremont previously, just the name, not the title. Well, aren't they still there? They're just fighting amongst each other in England? Could be right. We'll see. Uh, Yeah, he's talking about, like, his grandfather's money. And they leave out a lot of the details. They sort of skip forward in time during the conversation the show does. But he's like, and then, yes, it's, it's all gone to hell because of the inheritance. Like, people that were supposed to get married broke up. Family member turned against family member. And, you know, here I am. Should be crazy. Like, should, should you be in Japan running a jewelry store? And Richard's just like... The, well, that's well, a fair question. I think that what is else, actually... What very, else should I be doing? Well, you know what's funny? Like, although Seiji has no answer to Richard's retort, that is such a, like, really on-point comment for him to make, though, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that was actually quite, you know, insightful for me, and incisive even, if you will. Should you be doing that? Well, you know, I mean, how how should Richard be trying to sell expensive gems for less than market values to people on a beach? There's a lot of things he's done in his life that we could ask that question of, and this could very well be one of them too. Who's to say his time at Etranger is, you know, yeah, well, just different context, but same kind of deception. Maybe there's like another mm. parallel happening this episode. Self-deception, where... even if you will. Oh, so like maybe, the, maybe there's another parallel occurring, right? Like um, Richard is helping this one guy settle his own settle his family disputes or issues Mm -hmm. but like he refuses to for probably good reasons but he doesn't he's not ready to like resolve his own family issues 
Um, mm. I think that's interesting because clearly he ran away from them. They're probably still ongoing. Um, you know, but... I think it's probably not an unreasonable coping mechanism for someone who suffers from that kind of, you know, familial situation or even just like, you know, where they are burdened with a lot of like social or familial baggage that, hey, I can't fix my own shit, but you know what will make me happier? I am totally okay with helping fix others. That's the way that I will feel content. At least I don't feel like I have some control over something. I'll pay five million yen to fix your family problems. You know, where did you, you get five million yen? <laughs> I I too wondered that, Sagi. <laughs> so you've yet to sell a gym in this show, and yet you're loaning people five million yen. Man, okay, we're gonna we're gonna learn how the Richards' next identity is that he was called the Shark. <laughs> yes. So one last question for you, Shadon. Oh boy, you said at the very beginning that Richard. It's seeming like he's Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Carry on. Um, I think here's a completely different theory on Richard. What if next week we get a flashback to him and it's like the 17th century? horse and buggy and richard is it what if richard is a vampire well well we've had this discussion where we've speculated that he could be any sort of like immortal creature like a time lord you know maybe he's he's so beautiful he's He's a lich he's so beautiful he must be a vampire he's the son of dracula that's that's no he's the grandson of dracula that's the inherent dracula finally died no no richard is alucard from castlevania yeah he must be and then the, you can, the, the I can other, see the one turn against the other because uh-huh. oh shit! And the <laughs> other, the the other like vampire brood is fighting over Castle Dracula and the inheritance. You know, I, I want the fucking demon army. I want the traps. Say he's going to turn out like, to be a fucking what? Belmont, isn't he? Oh Screw god! This. I'm going to run a jewelry store, uh, and live a vegan vampire life. Can we can we get that myself. amazing scene from Castlevania season two, where um, Cipher is walking away from Alucard and Trevor says, "Please, we're not children." And one of them says to the other, "Eat shit and die." And the other guy goes, "Yeah, <laughs> fuck you." But instead, it's just with Richard Sagi and uh, and Tanimoto in their respective roles. Dude, that would that would rule. But I mean, come on, look, you have. He's, you know, just a little different from his dad. Like, instead of swirling a wine glass around, he's swirling a teacup. He's super beautiful and blonde. But he speaks um, too fluently. That's he the problem. Spe- we he all speaks know- <laughs> all the different languages. He plays what, like, piano. Bro- like, like, like broken translations. <laughs> <laughs> what is a man? <laughs> um, that's a row. Oh, I see what you mean. He's not yeah. good at that. I see. Yes. Yes. Well, look. Look. That was merely one adaptation of the true history that is the Alucard saga. We don't need oh to take it literally. God. <laughs> no, nothing, no, no, like canon is not going to end up crossed over with George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I sweet mean, goodness. Sweet goodness. Right. Um, so, yeah, do we have anything else to add, Doc? Or no. That... This was a good episode. I liked it a lot. I, I did too. 
the patrons brought up a lot of really fair questions and i'm really really curious like what is the next thing richard will reveal about himself yeah what i like about this show in general now as well is that now that it's laid a lot of the groundwork with the individual cases which i did speculate previously could become a drain on the show because we're just like i've seen this formula enough times now it's seemingly done its time with that format and now it's turning inwards We've had the build-up, like, you know, the characters have gained experience from each other and from the cases they've dealt with. And now it's on them to reflect on themselves and what they've learned and see if they can go beyond that. So good on the show for pivoting around on that to turn it in on our leap too. Rather than just have it be a continual, like, serialized, here's a new issue of the week kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Good on Mm -hmm. it for doing that, I reckon. For sure. All right. Anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of second stream for Jeweler Richard Episode 7, The Jade of Succession. Uh, thank you very much to all of you for listening. Be you patrons or not, it's always great to have you on board with us. If you're already a patron, as I say, thank you also for your continued support. It means the world to us. Don't hesitate to you know offer your thoughts in the Discord about the show itself or offer us feedback on this episode or questions even as we cover future episodes of Jewel Richard or anything else that we do. If you're not a patron and would be interested in becoming one to help support us and get yourself all the wonderful perks I've mentioned before, including some others that I've also not discussed, get yourself onto patreon.com forward slash show. Have a look, see what might take your fancy. You know, plenty of stuff to look forward to there. And lastly, you know, even if you're not necessarily willing to be, you know, contribute to us financially in that sense, engage with us however you wish. Talk to us on uh, Twitter at, you know, Warriedesho. Talk to me personally. I'm at Shaden1010 on Twitter. Uh, like, subscribe, follow, share, you know, press all the buttons, click all the things, do all that. That would be immensely, immensely welcome. We love engagement. No... No engagement is too little or too dumb or too unnecessary or small. Like, it's it's all gravy. Mm-hmm. Love it. We we need it, it. We feed upon it. Exactly. So, with all that, folks, thank you very much again. We'll leave you to it. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Um, and as we're often, you know, kind of sort of fond of saying on this podcast, we put in every now and again, embrace you, everyone. It's the end of the universe. Good night. Mwah, good night and good weekend. In a world.